everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we will continue with our series of year-ahead conversations with a focus on fixed income. That means joining us once again for the conversation. Glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, the head of taxable fixed income strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, welcome back. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Leslie, as I alluded to, our conversation ties into the recent release of CIO's Year Ahead publication for 2024, that title, A New World. And within CIO outlines a base case heading into the year for a softish landing for the U.S. economy with positive returns expected for fixed income. So to begin, Leslie, can you unpack that outlook for us, namely what supports that view for fixed income returns in 2024? Sure. Well, you know, as you mentioned, our base case is in 2024 is that we're going to see slowing growth, falling inflation, and eventually, at some point in 2024, easier policy. So, you know, when we think about all of the resilience the consumer has shown in 2023 um, and some of the stickiness of inflation that, that we, that's been incurred in a very strong labor market, our expectation in 24 that although we still have a soft landing, we do expect this, these higher for longer headwinds that have occurred but have yet to really show in economic data to start appearing. And, you know, we do anticipate that the consumer is going to actually start to spend a little less, be more, be more selective on their spending, and you know, start increasing that personal savings versus depleting. Um, and because of that, our expectation that that growth will likely be below trend. And also, given some of the lags that happens just through simple um, owners' equivalent rent to housing prices and all these kinds of influences, our expectation is we will see a fairly strong decline in inflation heading into 24. So when we think about how this can impact um, the economy, it's one where we believe that when we put all these things together, you know, lower growth, easing of inflation um, concerns, uh, you know, uh, a widening in terms of the labor market, meaning not being as tight as it is today, our expectation is that yields will, will fall. So we're looking for 10-year Treasury yields to probably end the year 24 around that 375 And this is not a straight line, right? Just you know, Although we don't anticipate um, an ease from the Fed until well into the second half of the year, really starting in the third quarter, we're only anticipating between 50 and 75 basis points of easing if the data warrants it. So that's really when you're going to see some sort of uh, more of a um, expedited decline in yields, in Treasury yields, right? So while we think 375 for the end of the year, that doesn't mean that from today's level of 440 to the end of the year of 24, it's going to be straight line lower. You're going to have fits and starts. So, Leslie, with that in mind, I have to ask, what about the risk considerations, anything that you would cite in the way of risks that could disrupt that outlook or trigger any volatility throughout the year? Yeah, that's a great question, particularly as it pertains to volatility. I mean, look, you know, people who are invested in fixed income, particularly the higher quality fixed income, have, you know, faced the headwinds of volatility in terms of their incremental total return. And, you know, when we see the type of interest rate volatility that we've seen in 23, 
given the uncertainty of whether the Fed's going to, you know, go pause or tighten, if they're going to go 25 or 50, and just sort of this stickiness of inflation that we've seen, volatility has been unusually high, and those higher quality fixed income segments are high, have a high correlation to rising volatility, right? So we've seen this in 23. Now, with our expectation in 24 that volatility will, will come down because one of those tail risks being a Fed hike will be eliminated, right? Our expectation is that come the December 13th Fed meeting, we'll see some data, but more than likely they don't hike then and they're kind of done for the time being. The risk is, is that they're not. So if, in fact, we should see some sort of reacceleration of inflation, whether it's due to rising home prices appreci- appreciation, contagion of the Middle East that pushes oil to you know, 100 or 110 and st- where it stays there for a sustained period of time, or if, in fact, the labor market resumes its trend lower, meaning the unemployment rate really starts to fall again, and we have this sort of loosening of financial conditions, um, that could be a tail risk to our outlook. So the, really the risk is is that while the, the market expectation is the Fed is done and while it's our expectation that the Fed will not start easing until the third quarter of 2024, the risk is they don't ease in 24 at all or they are in a situation where they need to hike. That's really the, the concern. And, and during that scenario, at least initially, the knee-jerk reaction will be for interest rates to rise versus trend lower over the course of the year. So, Leslie, with respect to positioning, we'll get into specifics a bit later in the conversation, though per the latest UBS House view, the chief investment office does recommend that investors buy quality, which is one of CIO's key messages and focus as it relates to both fixed income and equities. In the case of fixed income, what exactly should investors be looking for? Look, because we're at the end, we're in the latter stages of the cycle, and let's be honest. I mean, you know, we've had an environment where highly embedded credit type of sectors have actually done quite well this year, and they've done well for a number of reasons. One is that their yield is has been, you know, at the highest that we've seen in over a decade. There's plenty of cash on the sidelines that want to be put to work. You know, the second reason is that a lot of this, these obstacles that we thought we would see, whether it be the consumer or potentially even a barrier to credit access, right, which would cause, you know, high-yield issuers, corporate issuers not come to market, really has not um, turned out to be the case. And so this lower credit quality has done quite well. So now when we go head into 24, now that we're having a maturing cycle, and again, although we anticipate a soft landing, growth will slow. And we do think that defaults will rise in terms of some of these higher in credit embedded sectors. So we're really looking for that higher quality. Those sectors that, although are a positive total return this year, have definitely not performed as well as their higher higher in credit embedded counterparts, even though they're yielding they're, they're yielding well because of the volatility that we've seen within the interest rate environment. So we do think that these this higher quality will do well as you lock in to these yields that we haven't seen in well over a decade as this provides cushion to the investor in terms of, um, you know, any kind of volatility that we aren't foreseeing in 24. And also because this high quality not only offers you great carry, but, you know, given the fact that at these yield levels and this level of interest rates, investors are not only afforded compounding interest, but they're also going to be afforded price appreciation 
because our view is that yields will decline in 24 as the economy does slow. So with that in mind, Leslie, revisiting subsector specifics, what are you recommending in terms of fixed income positioning at this time? Well, I have to say that we have probably, you know, we have a lot on in terms of my opinion of what we've had on probably all year because we do see a lot of relative value in various sectors. So I'm going to just start with just, you know, some um, in general. Let's start with the high quality ones first. Okay, we have, you know, because of the tremendously large rise in real yields that we saw, and real yields are your nominal yields minus the inflation expectations. So it's what you're earning after inflation. It's your true purchasing power. Because we saw it starts to large rise in real yields and because it's our expectation that the economy will slow, five-year tips began to look very attractive. So we have five-year we have tips on as a preferred allocation, mainly in the five-year area. Because uh, technicals were a large headwind to things such as agency mortgage-backed securities this year, agency MBS have you know underperformed its credit counterparts such as investment grade corporates because of technical headwinds. Whether it was selling of uh, regional bank positioning back in March, you know the Fed's quantitative tightening, you know banks not being as involved. This is this has really made this sector really attractive, particularly versus those those sectors such as IG corporates that do have credit risk to them. What agency MBS does does not have credit risk. So for a high quality sector, you're you're able to earn you know yields well in the sixes. You're getting spreads that you get higher than investment grade corporates, um, and we do think a lot of that fundamental or excuse me technical headwinds that we saw in 23 will go by the wayside, and the agency MBS will outperform in 24 both from a technical and fundamental standpoint. We also like investment grade corporates. Investment grade corporates we've held on a barbell positioning, given the fact the yield curve is inverted. We've had one to three year investment grade corporates on, and those are going to be more of the financials. We do think financials are cheap to non financials, given the fact that we've had, you know, NIM compression and inverted yield curve. You know, financials have, you know, underperformed at the within the IG construct as a whole. So we like one to three year in investment grade corporates and the short end has finances in there. We also like the seven to 10 year in, in IG corporates simply because we do believe that yields will come down, grow so slow, and you want some protection against, say, corrections in equity that might occur in 2024 as the economy slows. So we have that barbell on. We also have in our uh, credit component um, preferreds, you know, preferreds are yieldings around that 7%. They're a hybrid in terms of investment grade and high yield. So you're not doing, you know, just pure deep credit. Um, again, they're linked more towards the, the financial institutions, which underperformed this year. And we do have a preference with them preferred to higher quality. Um, and the sector also, you know, we have this versus treasuries. We, the sector also we anticipate will do well into uh, 2024, particularly as volatility subsides in the interest rate market and yields come down. Lastly, we have on high yield versus senior loans. High yield versus loans in the U.S. is something that we have within our fixed income portfolio because loans have done so incredibly well these past three years as a floating rate instrument. They've been used as a tremendous hedge as interest rates have risen. However, now that we're at the latter stage of the cycle, we do think interest rates decline. And although loans are going to still support great carry, you know, you're better off doing that in the private credit market, but you know, the high yield side, we think will start to outperform loans given yields will come down, um, they're better quality. So that's sort of our take on the um, 
credit side. So we're doing credit to credit in that one and preferreds on our credit side as well outright. Well, Leslie, thank you for setting the fixed income stage for us in 2024 and do want to thank you for all of your participation and insights with our listeners, our clients throughout the course of 2023. So, uh, Leslie, thank you again for everything this year. We do look forward to picking back up with our fixed income conversations in the year ahead. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Wesley. Again, today we have been joined by Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas, Leslie Falconio from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to point our listeners, our clients to CIO's Year Ahead publication for 2024, A New World, which can now be located up on UBS.com slash CIO for everyone's reference. If you are a client of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of CIO's Year Ahead publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.